How's everybody doing? Good. Good? Y'all awake? Very good. Thumbs up. Um, I know everyone jokes around about 2020 and glad it's gone. Looking forward to 2021. Yes, I <laughs> uh, There have been some challenges for sure, but I think with anything else, you, you can take it for the good or the bad. I found a lot of good in it as well. Um, in the areas that I was frustrated, I, I found myself driving deeper into studying scripture and praying. <laughs> when adversities come, sometimes that's how it, how it works. So in all the, the chaos that was 2020, I'm thankful for those moments that we were able to, to really still focus on the Lord and focus on our families. So it was good in those aspects. Um, I don't want to review too long because I want to really get into what I want to talk about, but to kind of catch everyone up, we've gone through pretty a lot of John, probably the longest I've ever stayed in one, one area if, uh, because of my ADD or just my laziness either way. But, uh, but we went through John and we just, we just kind of walked through and saw Jesus as a man um, in all the areas where he was man and he was God and how he was fighting a battle that wasn't just a physical battle, but he was, uh, his sword was the word. It wasn't uh, a sword that was drawn uh, to make, you know, to make a big geopolitical statement, but it was to really defeat our real enemies, which was sin, death, and hell. Is this, I feel like I'm kind of, kind of loud here. Maybe it's just me. Um, and that's better. And so uh, we've kind of gone through the garden all the way to the cross, um, and we kind of hung out at the cross, which has, there's so much there. And we kind of dug deep into how I lean more towards a Christo, Christocentric hermeneutic or a Christ-centered viewpoint of all Scripture. Um, I feel like all of Scripture from the beginning to the end points to Jesus, from the, from the Old Testament pointing towards Jesus, the New Testament saying he's here and he brought his kingdom with him, all the way to Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus. So uh, I'm going to have that lens that everything that I look at in Scripture, it's always going to be through the lens of Jesus. And so we get to this place now, and I, as I look past this, as I look back at this whole year and I think about our church and what makes us who we are as a local body, um, I see how rich we are in praise and worship at our church. And it's something that as we, we talk through and talk um, about, I think it's much easier to experience when you actually understand what we're doing. Uh, we throw words around a lot, and we, we try to dissect those and get real deep into them throughout, um, throughout the weeks as we, we look through Scripture. And those two terms that I hear a lot, uh, praise and worship, I'd like to kind of dig a little deeper into this morning. And then uh, we'll actually, as going into the new year, as we've always been, but even more so, I want to be much more interactive. One of the things we talked about was, um, and I asked a lot of people what their kind of pro and con church life, what they like, what they don't like. One of the things that kept coming up is the, the lack of interaction, especially with the younger people, and being able to ask questions and dig in a little bit deeper and talk about those subjects that aren't you know, that may be taboo sometimes, that the church has kind of pushed back for whatever reason. We want to be open about these things and talk about them, especially for our young people that, that are going to learn something one way or another, so it's better to learn them here. Um, but even as adults, it's better for us to learn them here than just to write them off and say, well, we just got to have all that figured out when we really don't. Um, so one of those things we're going to do um, is be more interactive. So if you've not been here, if you're visiting, you may hear people speak up, and that's okay. <laughs> we do that here. Uh, yeah, we have a microphone for it so we can kind of record some of it because you guys have the same Holy Spirit that I have and have revelation in areas where I may not have it. So 
Um, if we begin to dig into this and you get a word or you want to you want to comment, you're welcome to. We'll send uh, Andrew Donahue over here uh, with a mic. If you if you don't want one, you just put your hand out. So he he'll stop short. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but the first first one I want to deal with is worship. Um, what what do you guys think of when you think of worship? Not just a super biblical answer, but just first thing that comes to mind when you think of worship. Who? Heaven? Heart condition? Did you say heart condition? You did? Okay. Yeah? Intimacy? Okay. What else? Joy? What'd you say, Gabe? An offering? Okay. All good. Life? Yeah. Well, if you look up the word worship all the way back in the Greek and Hebrew, um, it literally means to uh, to look towards someone in reverence or to bow down, um, to fall upon the knees and to touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence, kneeling or pros- uh, prostrate uh, as paying homage. The Hebrew word is, I'm gonna, probably going to mispronounce it, but shakak. Um, the Greek is proskneo. Probably mispronounced both of those. Pretty close. Um, but basically, it is a verb. It's an action. So you're doing something. Uh, something we we value here is not trying to, to paint a picture of what uh, praise and worship looks like to each individual because that may look differently to some than others. So this doesn't mean you're worshiping, right? It's okay if you do this, but this doesn't define worship. This is just raising your hands. This doesn't mean you're not worshiping, right? This is We have to be clear here because we're looking at biblical definition and we're looking at an understanding of what the Holy Spirit leads us to in worship. We're not trying to gain anything necessarily. Um, worship most of the time is a response to what God has already done. So because he so loved us, we worship him. This thing about, especially when you use the word submission, everybody goes, whoa, I want to talk about submission. But submission is important when you understand that God the Father is good. There's, there's, no, there's no reason for my, my kids to not submit to my authority because I have their best interest at heart, right? Now, I can understand that, you know, in some areas, you don't want to submit to everybody, you know what I mean? I get that. I'm not talking about that. Don't submit to everybody out there because not everyone has your best interest. But God does. And there's a, there's a trust that we have to have, especially when we come in here and we, and we praise and we worship. There's a trust that we should have, and, and there should be an action. Now, I'm not saying it has to look like getting down on your knees or putting your forehead to the floor. If you want to, that's fine. But there should be some action. There should be something going on where we come to a place of worship. Um, and this is not just corporately, but, but individually, personally as well. Uh, and so I think that when we, when we come, and I will say this also, there, are some, there have been some beautiful, intimate times that I have had in, in worship with the Father on my own, but there have been some incredible times in a corporate setting where someone else, I can hear, even here, I can hear someone else worshiping in it, and I can feel it. Now, I'm not saying you just bounce around from your feelings, but there's something that happens when you're in a corporate setting, you begin to worship together. And I think it's very beneficial for us as a body of believers to do that. So I don't want to push that aside as though it's not important. It is very important. So that basically is what worship is. Now, what I think most of us, when we talk about worship, honestly, when I would say worship a lot of times before you really look at the definition, I'm really talking about praise. And the definition of praise is also a verb, which is, if you don't know what a verb is, it's an action. And it's halal, halal. Um, and it's to praise, rave, celebrate, glory, sing. It even almost looks like foolishness at times in the definition. Uh, and to boast. Uh, the meaning to praise is actually the meaning of the intensive form of the Hebrew verb halal, which is, 
which is, thank you, bless you, halal, which is in its, in its, <laughs> which in its simple active form means to boast. Now, most of us know, and, and I'll quote 1 Corinthians here, uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty six says, uh, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world to dis- and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Excuse me. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. When he says this is written, he's talking about Jeremiah 9.24 because it had already been written. Let us boast in the Lord. We look back at Paul and we look at all the things that he had accomplished by human standards. You know, he would tell you, man, I am super Jew. (laughs) I am the best of the best. I've done all the things, circumcised at the right time. I've I've jumped through all the hoops. I've done all the religious duties to... to This is, that's y'all. I was trying to get past it. I can't say duty without giggling. I'm a 12-year-old. And I've done all the religious things. I've done all these things, but I count them all as <laughs> duty. <laughs> Essentially, that's what he said. I count them all as garbage, as dung. I mean, he did legitimately. They're all garbage in light of what? In light of what? Christ, in light of knowing Christ. All of that, all of anything that we could do in our own strength, that we could boast of, our, of ourselves, is completely lost when we understand how good Christ, everything that Christ has done for us, it puts us in this, in this position to now boast in the Lord, not boast in our own abilities. What happens in a lot of uh, religious settings is we get caught up in this idea that we can gain merit, in, even in religious systems, as though if we pray more, if we read more, if we do more, that we are, we are gaining something as far as, uh, like we're, we're climbing this, this religious corporate ladder of sorts, which is preposterous because that's not at all what Jesus taught. Jesus said, I have authority on all, in, in all of heaven and earth. And then he, he sits down and washes his disciples' feet. He demonstrates what a king does from his kingdom is, with all the authority and all the power I serve. He doesn't say, I'm better than you. <laughs> I'm greater than you. I've accomplished all these things. He says, no. I see what the Father does, I hear what he, what he says, and then I just do that. I submit to him because he's good. And so the beautiful thing about praise and worship is that we come, and <laughs> I like that they included foolish in there because at times we can look foolish when we praise, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes I know I can't. I can sing. I don't sing well, <laughs> but I can, all of us can sing. It's just like talking, just longer and louder. I'm singing. I'm in a church, and I'm singing. I'm in a church, and I'm singing. <laughs> That's it. It's just like talking. I know, I know him. All right, well, I could quote the whole movie. All right. We're not going to do that. Get past the elf. I didn't even, elf was not in my notes. It just sort of happened. All right. <laughs> All right, as, as is to be expected, uh, the word praise is found most frequently in the book of Psalms, uh, some 70 times as an expression of thanks or praise, it is a natural part of public worship as well as personal praise. The Hebrew name for the book of Psalms is simply the equivalent for the word praise, praises, which is interesting because psalm literally means in the Hebrew praises. Um, it's a bit more appropriate than psalms, 
which comes from the Greek and has to do with uh, the accompaniment of singing with stringed instruments of some sort. So I say that to say we have an awesome worship team. These guys are great. I love, yes. I love coming in here and praising and worshiping with these guys. It is so much better to hear them sing than me. <laughs> I, I just, it is. And honestly, I couldn't do what I do up here without them leading us in praise up, up here. I mean, they, they bring me to, they really open my eyes to the scriptures even clearer than if, you know, than, than just studying them because it's just the Holy Spirit moving and the declarations that we have and the songs that they sing. Um, but that doesn't mean that's the only place we praise and worship. And that's what we have to realize, that this, the same way this metal building in Westmobile doesn't house the Holy Spirit, you do. The same way the church is not just this building, you are. Praise and worship goes wherever you go. Um, I have to tell Tracy all the time to be careful when she praises and worships in the car because her foot gets heavy for some reason. <laughs> and she begins to speed when she praises. <laughs> uh, true, true story. She, she's probably wanted in Louisiana because uh, she was giving me a break. So I was, I was going to take a nap because we were driving from somewhere. And so she was listening to worship music and praising and drove through there and got a ticket. And I'm pretty sure, we, out of, for whatever reason, we never paid it. So, Yeah, it was a little one-horse town. It was a speed trap. It was, it was horrible. I, I just drive through Louisiana when we go now, and all is good. I'm not saying do that. That's just what happened. Be careful when you praise and worship outside of a corporate city. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Um, another thing, don't close your eyes and praise when you're driving. That's another bad thing. We don't, Jesus don't need to take the wheel. You need to take the wheel. Let Jesus drive somewhere else, <laughs> not on Airport Boulevard. <laughs> the word halal is the source of hallelujah. Seems appropriate. A Hebrew expression of praise to God, which has been taken over into virtually every language. Uh, the Hebrew hallelujah is generally translated praise the Lord. The Hebrew term is more technically translated, let us praise Yah, the term Yah being shortened form of Yahweh. We know that Yahweh is like God's name. It's, it's not just a God, it is actually the God that we worship. So when we say hallelujah, we are genuinely saying that we are praising the Lord when we say hallelujah. Um, I think it's, it, it's important to know that, and this is the question that immediately comes to mind when I begin to study this is, why does, why does God command us to praise him? Is when, when I think of praise or worship, I think, you know, for me, for a human, that would be some need that I would, I would need to be praised so that I would feel valued, right? Or I would, need, I would have some need that needed to be met so that I would command someone to, to praise, which is unhealthy. I don't want you to do that. But I'm just saying as a person. But as God, why would God say that and command us to praise and worship him? It's an interesting thought because he doesn't need anything, does he? He's, in, he's not lacking. God, it's pretty clear in Scripture that God is not lacking. So why does he command us to praise and worship? I found that... Um, C.S. Lewis had the same struggle. <laughs> uh, and if, if you haven't read anything from C.S. Lewis, I encourage you to. It's a very interesting, uh, incredible apologetic uh, writer. Um, man, I can remember when I first started reading how legalistic I was back then. I found out he liked smoke pipes or cigars, and I thought, I can't read anything else. He's not. Like, I really thought that that was like a really big deal back then. <laughs> it was crazy, but I was seriously like, but then I got past that, thankfully, and I started reading, and then I couldn't sleep at night because he's, he's so much smarter than I am. It made me really think deeply, but I love, 
I love the way he puts this, and, and like I said, this is much better than I could put it, um, but I have the same sentiment that goes along with this. And this is a quote from Reflection on the Psalms. So C.S. Lewis is studying the Psalms, which is praises and worship to the Father. And we may go through a study. I was, I was studying through Psalms, and we may go through a study because there's a lot there, a lot more than I'd ever seen before. So I'm going to be praying about that. We may just go through and, and look at, at the whole book of Psalms. So, But this is C.S. Lewis' take on, on the Psalms and worship and praise. And he says, But the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise, lovers praising their mistresses, readings, readers, their favorite poet, Walking, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, uh, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, history, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians and scholars. <laughs> very, rarely. <laughs> very rarely. Very rarely, but sometimes. I had not noticed how the humblest and, the, and at the same time the most balanced and capacious Minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmists, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole, my whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurd, depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable, what we delight to do, what indeed we can't help doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise. Now listen to this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is, its appointed, it, is, it is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. In other words, the, the outpouring of what has been poured into us by the Holy Spirit is a very natural thing. It is, very, it is, it is something that should happen as a byproduct of God loving us first. It says, we love because God loved us first. And as I continue to say, I believe that agape love didn't exist until he gave it to us because I don't have, I have found in myself not to have that type of love outside of, of God. I'm, I'm selfish. <laughs> I, I have my own issues to deal with. But outside of God demonstrating to me and giving me worth where I found no worth, I can do that with other people now where I couldn't do that on my own. Where he gave me forgiveness when I didn't deserve forgiveness, now I can forgive others. So it's not, it's not I do this so that God will love me. It's God loved me, so now I can do this. It is, it is a, we say we're an R&D church. We receive and distribute the love of God. And the love of God is not, you know, there's, I don't want to get into another deep, you know, theological discussion about all the different types of love, but I'm talking about agape, the, the, the most powerful, <laughs> the most meaningful type of love that God gives us to give to others. That type of love is outside of my own ability to do it without him. When we talked about a few weeks ago 
uh, Simon the Serene showing up to carry like the tail end of the cross, like he was helping. Um, that's, that's what we get to do. We get to be a part of what God is doing. So we get to see where, where God is working and we get to be a part of it. He's doing all the heavy lifting. He is taking, he is taking all, the, all the hits. He's taking, um, just like I said, he is experiencing everything we experience and we get to go and just grab a hold like the tail end of that cross and say, hey, I'm helping. I'm doing this. But we get to experience all the glory that comes along with it. And it's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. The thing we have to remember is he's not just sending us commands from afar like he did Moses in the commandments. It's not like this divine text message to say, hey, good luck, guys. I hope you do great down there on earth. <laughs> this was revolutionary to me when I discovered that our goal as Christians aren't to like springboard everybody to heaven and heaven's way over there past whatever ceiling tile and we got to get everybody to heaven. When I began to understand that, no, when Jesus came, he brought his kingdom with him and we are to <laughs> bring the kingdom of heaven to people. When he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he's meaning the kingdom of God is right here. It's in your heart. The deposit that's placed in there is the kingdom. So the part, the part that I struggled with for years was, why are we bothering with this life if our goal is just to die and go to heaven? And the solution was, Jesus gave us new life. He didn't just die for our sins, resurrect and ascend, but he sent us the Holy Spirit so that we would have someone with us as a comforter and a leader. For some reason, we, and for years, I negated that huge piece of the puzzle, which was God with us now. And like I said, I always say if, if, if heaven was the goal to die, we could just hold people a little longer when we baptize them and send them on their way. But it's not. The kingdom, our, our, our purpose is to reconcile people to God the same way Jesus did. We've been given this, the ministry of reconciliation. So our goal is the same one that Jesus was a prototype for us to show that God and man could be together. That, that we are reconciled that the fall was reversed with Christ. So our goal is not just to try to springboard people to heaven, but to actually demonstrate the kingdom to them so that they can have it right now. Hope is that deposit that, yes, you get to go see heaven in its fullness when you die, but it doesn't start there. It starts when you receive Christ. The kingdom starts right now. <laughs> so everywhere you go, you're bringing the kingdom with you. You're not storing it here and checking it at the door <laughs> and going out there. The Holy Spirit's not leaping in and out, out of our bodies, evidenced by the scripture that says, if, even if you go and join yourself to a harlot, look, I go with you. Recognize that God's not intimidated by your sin. He's there to kill it. <laughs> and grace, grace, grace did not like wink at sin. It absolutely destroyed it. <laughs> like grace is not this, I don't want to get into that. God is not intimidated by, by our inability to fulfill everything that he already did. The thing, the thing that religious, the, the religion tries to do is, is mimic something that's real when relationship is something that is real. You don't have to try real hard to be in this relationship. It's very counterproductive to try to get into a room that you're already in. The beautiful thing about grace that we can, we can get into this place where, <laughs> I love this, it like clears our calendars. Like, oh, I don't have to continually, you know, get saved over and over and over and over again and, and, and do all this, go run through all these, jump through all these hoops to try to make God happy at me. <laughs> God is happy at me. Now my schedule's clear and I can go love people, right? This is, that's the call for us is to go love people. Now, the thing that we see with God is if he's not needy, why worship? what is all this worship about? The same way we give when we talk about offering, the heart of the Father is a giver. The heart of the Father is a worshiper. He's a lover. The love that we have is just a reflection of what he gives us and we just give it right back to him. So he creates us and he knows what's best for us. We talk, I talk to the youth a lot about this too. Our cars don't run on milk or water. You know, we put gasoline in. We run on Holy Spirit. Don't put anything else in. We need this, excuse me. 
We need, we need the Holy Spirit. This is what we run on. This is how we function. We need this. It's not just an intellectual understanding, although I encourage you to dig as deep as you can into Scripture and understand it, but it is a knowing that there is a real live Savior in you. If you've been born again, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Bible talks about clay pots. I call it like Dixie cups. We're like Dixie cups. We get to carry the greatest thing ever (laughs) into Walmart or Target or Waffle House, wherever. Yeah, amen. (laughs) Or your workplace or your school or your your family gatherings. And we get to love those people that we can't stand (laughs) because the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do it. And the Holy Spirit sees things that we can't see. Because if we just if we just trust and oh man, even when even when we feel like we need to put our hands in his side and see the holes in his hands, he says it would be better for you if you just trusted. It'd be better if you hadn't seen and touched and felt. He was he was declaring God so good. He was declaring about us. He was saying, You you see and you feel and you know that I'm here and you know it was me and you know it happened. But man, how much more blessed are they going to be? They didn't even see. They didn't even, they didn't even, you got to, you got to experience it in your, in, in all your senses too. They have to trust. They have to have faith. And he was, he was proclaiming that for a long time to come for us to see and hear. What a beautiful picture that we have this faith and this hope and that it's not bound by, like I said, this, these unshakable kingdoms that are around us and the circumstances that we're in. We go into these and we declare God's goodness in these areas. We declare the kingdom in these areas. And the, the culture doesn't begin to shape us. We begin to shape the culture. Because we don't just carry our personality, our charisma, our intellect. Because why? He's made the foolish things to be wise. God has made the low things to be made high. He's, he's, he's created in you value where you thought you had no value. He's created life where you thought there is no hope, there's just death in me. He said, no, I see, I see something there and there's something great and I'm going to produce it in you and I'm going to walk you through it step by step every, every, every moment of every day. All right, I'm going to, I want to give you a brief, brief testimony or witness. The, the word witness that we've studied in the past is a, is a two-part picture word, basically, when you go back to the Hebrew and the Greek there. It's a picture word that means seeing a door and then walking through it. So it's literally, it means like an eye and a door. And so it's not just that you see something happening, but it's also that you walk through it. So when I, when I talk about my stories and my testimony, it's not that you should mimic what I experienced necessarily, but to see something that happened with me and God and then realize that it could happen with you because it's the same way that I do when I hear other people's testimonies. So when I first, when I, when I was born again at, the age of 20, I went to several different churches, lots of different denominations. Um, for a period, I went to, uh, uh, I guess, a traditional Southern Baptist church, and I basically got saved, I don't know, 50, 11 times, just every Sunday I would get saved over and over again, and I would doubt, you know, it was the whole stepping on your toes thing, and I would leave beaten down like, oh, man, I got to do more, and I would come back and do that. And I'm not saying all Baptist churches were like that. That was just my experience. And then I transitioned into a church of God, which is a more charismatic church. And then <laughs> I was doubting my salvation even more. And then, and then it felt, felt like I needed, I'm just being, this is just me being honest. I'm not saying this is what you guys experience, this is what I experienced. 
And so then I felt like I still love the Lord. I knew something happened, but I was trying to discover what that looked like. And I saw, you know, I saw people speaking in tongues and coming up to the front and falling backwards. And, and I thought, well, I need, I need that. And so I would come up and then I was confessing all these random sins. I thought maybe something that was keeping God from me. And I would just, just more and more. And I'd come up to the altar and instead of getting saved, I was just asking for whatever gifts and whatever tongues and falling out or whatever it was. And none of that ever happened. I wasn't going to fake it. So it just never happened for years. And then um, I married Tracy. <laughs> and went to, she went to a Methodist church and she would come to my church. And she was like, I can't breathe in there. Those people are crazy. And then I would go to her church. <laughs> she didn't say that like exactly like that, but I could see it on her face. <laughs> At the end, she was like, uh, what is that? <laughs> and then I would go to her church. And it, to, to me, that Methodist church felt more like Catholicism because they'd stand up, sit down, repeat stuff back and forth. And I was like, and then we'd leave. And I was like, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> and, and I'm not picking on all these different denominations. I, you know how I hate denominations at all. We're all going to the same heaven. So I think it's silly. But this is just my experience. So, um, and Tracy was quiet and, you know, very reserved. And I was very outgoing and obnoxious and annoying and whatever, if you want to call it charismatic. And then we went, you know, we go into ministry and then we go to this youth camp and then she goes into this river and gets baptized and comes out speaking in tongues. I'm like, what? My quiet wife, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I've, how many tears have I shed just pouring out my heart about, you know, I, I may have watched this movie thinking they're, you know, like, I'm just like anything that's keeping me from God, like, please just take it. Cause I want this. I want more of you. And, uh, <laughs> and then I, I get back and I, I love that, that God did it in this way. And, and I tell you this, like I said, not to, not that this is everyone's experience, but just so, you, just so you know that this is how good God is. And in my relationship with the Father, I had no idea I would be in this position at all as being a pastor at this church way back then. Not even close to, to that. Now, I did, one of the times when I visited, uh, we went back and visited uh, Tracy's church, the Methodist church, and in my immature mind, I thought that I was better than them in some way. And I thought, well, this is just a dead church. I'm not going to get anything out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing this stuff. And this guy came up and prayed for me. And I was like, he, well, his wife came up and said, hey, uh, I want to pray for you. And I was like, cool, whatever. I wasn't seeking anything. I wasn't crying at the altar or anything. And she said, no, I think my husband needs to pray for you. And I was like, cool. He came up, started praying for me. And I fell down on my back and just like crying and laughing in this field behind this Methodist church. And I was like, what in the world? And I, she stayed with me. We weren't even married at that point, were we? Yeah. She was very embarrassed. <laughs> and she stayed with me after that. And I was just like, I don't know how long it was. It, was. it felt like forever to me, but it was just a taste of how good God was. And I don't, you can call it whatever you want, but to me, a lot happened in that moment that solidified my relationship with the Father. Um, but one, not, not the least of which was, I don't determine where God moves <laughs> and, and, and does what he wants to do. Also, it's not up to me to try to gain some kind of thing from him. He, it's gifts. He gives them at will, and it's up to him to give them, not up to me to, to strive for them. The only thing the Bible talks about striving is to enter into his rest. <laughs> we strive to enter into his rest. And he demonstrated that to me when he knocked me on my back in a field behind a Methodist church. So then, fast forward, like I said, Tracy, I'd been seeking whatever you want to call it, speaking in tongues. I've been seeking this, seeking this, and then Tracy comes out like no effort at all. I'm like, what? What, God? About a month later, we have a youth little uh, night of worship. And I'm just as, as relaxed and calm as can be. Like I said, I'm not up here 
seeking anything or butterflies in my stomach or anything, and I just begin to rattle off tongues to the Father. I'm just praying. And it was another deposit for me to, to, to know that these were things that I didn't need, that I didn't need these things to have a relationship. I already had that relationship. These things were beneficial to me. Both of them were, were important to me, and they solidified some things in me. And they, but it was, in, it was years after I thought that I needed those things, and years after I thought that I could earn them in some way, or that I could confess to get them, or that I could do something when it was always God's gifting. Now, fast forward to where I am now. <laughs> I think how immature I would be if God would have allowed those things to happen in my time. How... How boastful would I be in my own ability to gain something from God? And how dangerous I would be in this position if I thought that. And I say that because God, ha- God is the gift giver. <laughs> those are just two examples. I'm not saying those aren't exhaustive. Trust me, God's got tons of gifts. Teaching is one of the most beautiful ones. But I'm telling you, the gifts that God gives don't always come in the time frame that you think that they should, and they don't always look like you think that they will. And I just tell you that from my experience. And I want to encourage you that when, when you are, and I encourage you to read your Bible, as, you know, there's not out of fear of ob- or obligation, but out of joy because there's so much good news in it. And I encourage you to engage in praise and worship, not because I think that you're less than because you don't, or in the way that you decide to do it. I always joke around about, you can do cartwheels up here if you want to. I really don't care. I say it all the time. No one's done cartwheels yet. But I'm just saying, the way you praise and worship is between you and God, and you are free to do that here. This is a safe place to do that. If you need to fall apart, fall apart. If you need to be happy, be happy. Don't feel guilty about it. God is, God is so gracious to meet you right where you are that you don't have to put on a front, and please don't ever put on the front here. I know most of you in here and most of you online that are watching. Um, and we love you guys, all of you. And all of us have been through it. And if you don't know what it is, just live a little bit longer. <laughs> and you'll go through it too. Some of you are currently going through it. God's not forgotten about you. And he sees you. And he loves you. And I know every other person in here, they're like family to me, will be like family to you too. And no one's looking to judge you. No one's looking to criticize you about what you're going through. Every person in here that I know will build you up and will lift you up in prayer and will look out for you. And if they don't, I'll punch them in the face. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) I won't do that probably. Punch him in the face with prayer. <laughs> Praise and worship. <laughs> <laughs> try Jesus. Sorry. Don't try me. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna have a brief I say brief time, we'll see how it goes, but I'd like the worship team to come back up. Part of part of participating in this stuff, you guys come on up. Uh, part of participating in this stuff is is just that. I want to encourage you. We're just going to go through one song. Um, and Kelly, I like the last one you did. I liked all of them, but um, if you want to sing that one, that's fine. If you want to sing another one, that's fine too. I'll get out of the way in a minute. But uh, okay.
But, uh, but I want to encourage you. And like I said, this doesn't, this doesn't have to look a certain way. And I promise you, you don't even have to feel a certain way. Because there, there are times when I feel, <laughs> when I feel like worshiping. And then there are times when I just worship even though I feel like that's the last thing that I want to do. And there are times when I praise because there's things to be, to be happy about. And there are times when I praise because nothing that I see in the physical realm deserves praise. And I know that there's a kingdom out there that is changing this world. And we're a part of it. So I praise for that reason, not just because I feel it necessarily. So I want to encourage you as we just go through a song, this is just a time for you to do business with God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. There are moments that we can learn from teaching, but there are moments that only the Holy Spirit can speak directly to you on. And I want to encourage you to listen. One of, one of the, the greatest strengths that I found in prayer is shutting my mouth. <laughs> I, I, I used to come into prayer all the time about what I needed, what I wanted, what I wanted to see. And there's nothing wrong with that. There, there are prayers like that. But I encourage you to listen sometimes in praying because God does speak. It may not be an audible voice, but he will speak directly to you. I promise you he will in a way that you can understand it. So if you will, or if you want to, you can stand up <laughs> or sit down or lay down or do cartwheels. We have lots of room for cartwheels up here. And uh, we're just going to gonna enter into praise and worship. Cool? You can, add, you can add something. Just a little bit. Um, growing up, I went through a lot of, like, like him, I've, I've been through a lot of churches and seen a lot of things and and there was a tendency in, in some environments where you are looking for manifestations to, to, it's like earning Boy Scout badges. I got the Holy Spirit badge. I got the falling down badge. You know, there was like this, this um, building of esteem on how much things have happened to you in the spirit. And, and, and God was kind of showing me, he's like, I'm your father. I'm not your sugar daddy. You know, if you being earthly know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? So our job is to identify he's my father and all the things he gives me, that's his business. My job is to draw near to crawl up in his lap and tell him I love him. So that's what we're all, that's all we're trying to do. Okay. See you rightly, Jesus. 